Welcome to Bank of Singapore's Outlook in 5. The definitive guide for investors to stay ahead. Hi, my name is Andy, Global Real Estate Analyst at Bank of Singapore. And I'm Yvonne Siu, Head of Real Estate Advisory Investments at Bank of Singapore. We'll be discussing on the very topical and relevant subject of US commercial real estate today. Now, while the property sector has seen robust performance in recent years given record high pricing amidst strong demand and supply constraints caused by the pandemic, we're now seeing headwinds from a higher interest rate environment. The collapse of some banks in the US and Europe have also led fears of contagion risk and tightening of credit conditions. Yvonne, there's been a lot of negative sentiment surrounding the US commercial real estate sector. What are your thoughts on this and what is the data telling us? Now, given odds of increased regulations, tighter lending standards and shrinking deposit bases amongst the US regional banks, fears on the commercial backed securities, or CNBS for short, does not seem to be misplaced. Now, today, CNBS represents around 20% of the US commercial real estate market. But we believe quality is better as compared to during the global financial crisis, or commonly known as the GFC. According to data from TRAP, the overall CNBS delinquency rates, in fact, declined slightly by three basis points from February 23, as compared to its levels at 3.09% in March. Now, this is also lower than the 3.73% recorded a year ago. The office subsector saw the largest month-on-month increase of 23 basis points delinquency rates and was also up almost 100 basis points on a year-on-year basis. There is, however, some comfort that current delinquency rates for the office subsector are well below levels seen during the GFC and also below the retail and lodging subsectors. Now, that being said, we believe that the office subsectors is likely to continue to face biggest risks given structural challenges arising from less office space requirements and thus would not be surprised to see delinquency and default rates continue its ascent from here. Yes, just to add on to what you said, uh, based on monthly transaction data from MSCI Real Capital Analytics, overall US commercial property prices fell 1.3% month-on-month and 8% year-on-year in March. The year-on-year decline was an acceleration from February's 6.6% dip and was the fourth consecutive month of price decline. Within the subsectors, the apartment and office subsectors saw the largest year-on-year declines in March due to higher borrowing costs and tighter credit conditions. The elevated interest rate environment has kept spreads tight for the US commercial real estate sector. Yvonne, what is the impact of interest rates on real estate investors? Now, after years of enjoying low interest rates, real estate markets are now adjusting to the higher interest rate environment. Also, with inflation moderating, it does appear also for some markets that central bank rate hikes are behind us. Now, given the aging of buildings as well as infrastructure, it might be difficult and costly for some building owners to compete given the higher cost of capital. Now, this leads to pressures on rental rates and occupancy, which again impacts the bottom lines of landlords and property owners alike. Now, Andy, amidst all this negativity that has been discussed today, are there any silver linings for the US commercial real estate sector? Yes, uh, things do seem very challenging, right? And headwinds probably could mean uh, more pain ahead, but we do believe that there are some silver linings. First, Bank of Singapore's house view is for the Fed 
to keep the Fed funds rate unchanged from the June FOMC meeting and to start its first rate cut in March 2024. While rates could take some time to come down, we believe a stabilization in the interest rate environment will improve investors' sentiment and lead to a return of capital market activities, which would support the price discovery process as we enter a new norm in the market. Second, loan-to-value, or LTV ratios, have trended downwards over the years in the post-GFC era due to more conservative underwriting by lenders. This helps to mitigate lenders' credit risks and allows more buffer on potential write-down in capital values. Third, challenges within the commercial real estate market, in particular the office subsector, are likely to result in the failure and bankruptcy of the weaker players. The stronger names and those with prudent capital management in both public and private markets will emerge as winners, capitalizing on distressed opportunities to generate alpha returns in the future. Fourth, although cost of capital has increased significantly and has stifled investment activities, we believe this implies that future, medium, and longer-term supply of commercial real estate assets will be lower, and this could provide more balanced demand and supply dynamics. Fifth, while cash flows and fundraising will face significant headwinds, supply of capital for the sector, especially in the private markets which still has elevated levels of dry powder, remains healthy. Yvonne, on the topic of private real estate markets, what are some of the investors doing today? Well, I'm a believer on democratization of private real assets. So for real estate investments, it does help investors play both defense and offense, guarding against losses against volatility and also inflationary fears, right, while opening up for potential gains in, in terms of alpha. Now for investors in the private markets, it's important to filter through the noise and retain a longer term perspective, which can be very difficult, but essential for sound decision making. We've observed continued interest in the logistics, warehouse, industrial sectors, and also for rent housing. Essentially, um, we can look at single housing as well as multifamily. And this is attributed by the e-commerce adoption in the case of industrial logistics and concerns around home ownership due to heightened mortgage rates. Now, by working with partners in the structuring of double or triple net long leases and with investment-grade worthy tenants, we do see private investors enjoying relatively more predictable returns driven by income, as these tenants would bear key operating expenses. Real estate debt opportunities also resonates with private investors as it provides a regular and predictable income stream through interest payments. It offers diversification to a portfolio, spreading risk across various fixed income investments within different subsectors of real estate. Now, Andy, about the publicly listed US REITs today, what observations do you see and how do valuations look? Yes, the MSCI US REITs index underperformed the broader US market last year and year-to-date so far. US office REITs have unsurprisingly fared the worst due to all the headwinds that we have discussed earlier. From a balance sheet perspective, most US REITs have been prudent on their capital management, with most of their debt fixed and debt maturity profiles lengthened. However, we believe capitalization rates have room for further expansion across the various subsectors. This could result in asset revaluation losses ahead and an adverse impact on book values of US REITs. In terms of valuations, the MSCI US REITs index is trading at a forward dividend yield spread of around 90 basis points against the US 10-year Treasury yield. This is a relatively tight level as it is more than one standard deviation below the 10-year average. 
Yvonne, besides some of the silver linings discussed earlier, do we see any tailwinds for the private real estate market, especially in the medium to longer term? Now, we believe properties that were laggard pre-pandemic, such as retail and hotels, may deliver some of the best returns this year. However, for the longer term, strong fundamentals in rental housing and industrials are expected to continue to drive rental growth potential. Just to give some data points, housing permits in the US declined 19% in February 23 from its 2022 peak. Industrial warehouse construction declined by 40% in Q4 as compared to Q3. And this is excavated by 33 and 104% increase in the cost to build rental housing and warehouses today in the US versus its pre-COVID days. Andy, given concerns around the US commercial real estate sector, where else can investors find opportunities if they are keen on gaining exposure to the property markets? We see tactical opportunities for the Singapore REITs or S-REIT sector ahead on account of expectations of a pause in the Fed rate hike cycle, but will remain selective as macro headwinds remain while market volatility is also likely to stay. We know that historically, share prices of S-REITs have performed well following a pause in the Fed's hiking cycle. There were two episodes since the listing of the first S-REIT in 2002 in which the Fed held rates steady after a rate hike cycle. The first happened in August 2006 and the second happened in 2019. During both periods, the benchmark S-REITs index outperformed the Straits Times index. Within the S-REIT sector, we continue to recommend a bottom-up stock-picking strategy and opine that investors should position with higher-quality S-REITs with strong sponsors, prudent capital management, and resilient portfolios, especially since we believe risks of a US recession in the second half of 2023 have increased. We also keep an eye on China reopening plays within the S-REITs sector, as recent economic data from China has been encouraging. In summary, it is imperative for investors to avoid a broad brush painting approach as risks can differ significantly by property types, locations, and in private funds. Strong capital management and track record continues to be key screening criteria for investors. That's all we have for you today. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more updates from us here at Bank of Singapore. This podcast was brought to you by Bank of Singapore.